Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Environment Enlist. My name is Samira and this is the show where we talk about adventures in sustainability, lifestyle, and business for people who are trying their best. Today's episode is called Inventions and Individuality and our guest is inventor, writer, speaker, and film fanatic Anne Makazinski. As I'll say in the interview, Anne is Forbes 30 Under 30, Time Magazine 30 Under 30, and Entrepreneur Magazine Young Millionaire. She's won the Google Science Fair. The list goes on. She's incredibly accomplished. But what I really love about Anne and what I think makes her a force to be reckoned with is the way that she's able to bring together her passions and really embody all of her interests authentically. She's incredibly passionate about the sciences and the arts, and the way that she reflects this into the things that she does and what she takes on is really, really interesting. And in the sustainability space, we need people who are interested in all different types of things. We need people from all backgrounds with different voices. And I hope that by hearing about Anne's own inventions and individuality, you guys are inspired to find what that means for you too. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Hi Anne, welcome to Environment Enlist. We're so excited to have you on the show. You are a Google Science Fair winner. You're one of Times 30 Under 30, Forbes 30 Under 30, an entrepreneur, young millionaire. Um, where did this all begin for you? Oh gosh, well I never expected any of this to happen, but what happened was that when I was a kid, I grew up on Vancouver Island in British Columbia in Canada. My first toy was a box of transistors and other electronic parts, just because my parents were a little eclectic to say the least. Uh, and from there, because I wasn't given many toys, I would take my hot glue gun and garbage from around the house and piece together my very first inventions, which never worked, but the idea of taking the resources around me, piecing them together to make something better, or in my younger case, to like improve my boredom <laughs> of having not many toys, kind of became or was instilled very naturally at a young age. Um, and then because I love tinkering and talking about my inventions so much, my parents suggested that I join the local science fair when I was in sixth grade. Um, I ended up doing 10 science fairs for my grade six to grade 12 year. And most of the projects, or almost all of them, were in the area of alternative energy harvesting, which is harvesting energy that's always around us, but we don't necessarily take advantage of all the time. Um, and so that could be like solar cells, kinetic energy, thermal energy, things like that. When I was 14, my friend in the Philippines, as I'm half Filipino, she told me that she had failed to grade in school because she couldn't afford electricity. So she had no light to study with at night. Um, and that really shocked me as someone who was just her age, just in a different part of the world. And I totally took for granted flicking on the light switch every day. So I decided to base my science fair project around her problem and create some sort of solution, which I imagined to be a light source that wouldn't require any batteries. I ended up creating the hollow flashlight, which is a flashlight that runs off the heat of the human hand. Very simple project, but people got extremely excited about it, much to my surprise. Um, and I went to the, to the Canada-wide science fair with it and the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair, as well as the Google Science Fair. Um, and this highly embarrassing video of me talking about my flashlight when I was 15 that was part of my submission for the Google Science Fair ended up going viral and all these crazy things happened. 
Um, and then when I was in grade 12, I invented the e-drink, which was a coffee mug that harvests the excess heat of your hot drink and converts it into electricity. So eventually, if you drink a lot of coffee, you could give your phone a boost of energy. That's so cool. And was there a reason that you were really drawn to using renewable energy as a source of inspiration for your inventions and things like that? I think just growing up on the west coast of Canada, everyone, I don't want to stereotype, but a lot of people are very eco-conscious, slightly like hippie vibes, you know, <laughs> I grew up going to the beautiful beach and like surrounded by trees and bugs and nature every day, which now after moving to New York City, I'm like, oh, I miss nature. I took it for granted. Um, <laughs> like the most nature we get here is like organic poop on the streets and like occasional trees. So like, you know, I, I definitely, I think that infused, you know, and I was always carpooling or biking and just like all the families that I grew up with, inclu including my own, were just very eco-conscious. So it became kind of normalized for me, which I think is so wonderful. And hopefully current generations of young people are growing up also with this huge awareness of how important it is to use more clean energy sources. Um, and then I think just tinkering away, I was discovered solar cells because I thought it was just cool. Oh my god, I can produce power if I put the solar cell under a lamp. That's amazing. Um, I remember I had this toy that I made in a kit that was like a little grasshopper and it had a tiny solar cell on the back and once you assembled it, it would start like hopping up and down if you put it in the sun. So I think that was one of my kind of early experiences with green energy and then I just was curious what other kinds of energy is lying around that we're just not using. And that was led to many other projects. Yeah, that's so cool because I know that you went on to develop um, a line of children's toys as well that could do the same for our future generations. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think back in November 2018, Oh my gosh, time has flown. Um, back in November 2018, I started working on a line of children's toys that all ran off of green energy, a lot of them using my flashlights technology. And I thought it was such a perfect placement because the brightness of the flashlights aren't comparable to battery run flashlights on the market. So it would be hard for them to compete. But in children's toys, all they really need to do is like the, the eyes of the toys, for example, would just light up when you held the toy, things like that. And it wouldn't have to be like, the light wouldn't have to shine for hundreds of feet. So it'd be fine. Um, and I also played around with toys that had solar cells in them that demonstrated kinetic energy, things like that. Unfortunately, some things happened. So that project currently is completely on pause um, for reasons I'd love to discuss, but I don't think anyone on the podcast would like to hear. So I'm kind of back to square one right now and figuring things out. Um, but I hope to be able to pick up the toys later in my life or make some sort of flashlight kit for kids who want to put together their own flashlight, but their parents don't have enough like electronic experience to guide their kids. I think that's kind of the way to go. So hopefully that's something I'll be able to explore later this year. Awesome. Awesome. So I read that in 2017, you went on a expedition to Northern Canada and it inspired you to get more involved with protecting our planet. What was that experience like for you? Oh gosh, I was so, so lucky to have gotten that opportunity. Canada is a very old country, but technically 
you could say it's 150 years old officially. And so for its 150th anniversary, they did this expedition on this icebreaker ship that started in like Quebec or Toronto, I forget, on the East Coast and went all the way up in Canada through the Arctic, through the Northwest Passage, and then ended up actually in my hometown of Victoria um, months later. And so I was invited as a youth ambassador to join one of the legs of the expedition. I chose the ninth leg, which was, in my opinion, the most exciting, uh, which was sailing through the Northwest Passage and all these crazy things that I just never thought I would ever experience. And I was so terrified to go on this trip because I didn't know anyone who was going to be on the ship. There wouldn't be good Wi-Fi, like all these traumatic things as like a 19-year-old. You're like, oh, God, <laughs> social anxiety. Um, and anyways, I almost canceled my parents and my parents were like, you are crazy. Like you have to go. Um, and I ended up going and having a truly life-changing experience seeing just how beautiful all these almost untouched parts of nature in Canada are and the continent are and um, the communities that live there, what their experiences were like, because some only had like a hundred people living in like the most isolated part of the Arctic. It was just a very eye-opening experience, especially sailing past glaciers and icebergs and all these things kind of just made me very aware of like, wow, this is so beautiful. I can't believe we're doing all these things to make all of this go away and drown us at the same time. I think that trip to the Arctic was just a very inspiring and eye-opening experience for me to have. Yeah, I definitely think when it's right in front of you and you realize that the things that you do every single day are contributing to taking it all away. There's yeah. nothing that really snaps you into action more than that. So when you think about the green tech industry right now, what do you think is to come? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I think in the near future, I hope that the green tech industry becomes more widely available, um, especially because of the price, not a lot of people will want to put solar cells, for examples, on their houses. Now I know it's becoming much more common, but hopefully the plan is that green energy will be implemented into our everyday lives and into our everyday products. Because if you think about it, if I just like look around the room around me right now, there's so many things, tiny gadgets that all use disposable batteries. And batteries are one of the most harmful objects to the environment because they have all these toxic chemicals in them and then usually they're not disposed of properly and they're just like dumped in landfills and then the chemicals from the batteries end up leaking out into the ground into the water into the sea life and other animals and then eventually us so i think the main thing at least that i can see that's a more realistic scale of how i can make a difference is trying to help eliminate um tiny batteries and all these different electronics that we have um, and obviously, as my flashlight runs off the heat of the human hand, so many people come up to me and being like, oh my God, it'd be so cool if we could just charge our phone if, if from the heat of our hand, if we could just hold it and charge it at the same time. Very matrixy. Currently, it's not feasible because the thermoelectric generators I use and the flashlights are like less than 10% efficient in producing energy. So it, it's just like literally not possible. But I'm hoping in the future more people will be working on the efficiency of thermoelectric generators so we can really implement them everywhere because us humans are 100 watt walking light bulbs. We radiate so much energy in the form of heat and it's all being lost all the time. So I think there's so many possibilities for the green tech energy 
industry in the future to just harvest energy that's all around us, but we're just not capturing just yet. But in a few years, five, 10 years, I'm quite optimistic. Very, very cool. And you obviously have learned so much just from tinkering and working on building your inventions. But for someone who's maybe learning about renewable energy for the first time or is just wading into the green tech space, do you have any resources that you would recommend? Um, gosh, well, I think just the internet in general is a great thing. <laughs> if you have a question, you look it up, you get too many answers, you're not sure which one's right, but usually there's something helpful on the internet. There's lots of great books about global warming that you can read, lots of great films and documentaries. Um, specifically, I'm just remembering this um, because I'm just a huge creepy fan, but on YouTube, there used to be these twins that had this YouTube account back in the day, and they were Jack and Finn Harry's. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm in love with them. It's a secret. It's a secret. Don't tell anyone. Um, but Aren't so we all? They, and then so I believe Jack dates this girl, Alice, 80. I'm not saying her name right, but they're like ultimate power couple duo. They're both filmmakers and they make all these films about activism and saving the earth. And they just started a new Instagram platform. I believe it's called like Earthrise Studio. Um, and that's a great resource for just learning more about what you can do, what other people are doing and just inspiring you overall. So I highly recommend them. Great call. Yeah, I love them. And actually, Finn went to Parsons, and that was one of the first times I found out about the program, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, he did go. Totally yes. So they're great. Yeah. I guess now we can talk a little bit more about where you're at professionally, personally, and how sustainability has evolved for you. Totally. I'm so I'd been doing all this work in thermoelectrics and harnessing human heat for so long. And it definitely got to the point a couple of years ago and also when I was in high school and trying to choose my degree where I was like, do I want to do engineering because everyone else around the world and people close to me expect me to because that's the thing I'm quote unquote known for? Or is it something that I really want to pursue my whole life? And I came to the conclusion that I've always had a love for both the sciences and the arts. Um, I was raised on silent films like Charlie Chaplin, Harold Lloyd, Buster Keaton. I was always the kid that would like make a crappy video project instead of a written project for school. Um, and I just loved, love watching old films and musicals and I'm just a big film nerd. And I was like, why can't I do both? Like I, I'd be much happier if I could do both in life. Maybe that's asking for too much, but maybe in 2021 it's not and you can do both the arts and sciences. Um, so I ended up studying English literature in university. My degree is going in like slow motion. It's still happening. It's just very slow. <laughs> um, and so studying English literature, learning about storytelling film inside of school and then outside of school, I was getting patents from all my inventions, continuing my inventing and also speaking pre-COVID around the world and now current COVID uh, speaking virtually kind of around the world. <laughs> um, so yeah, and so I've always had this balance and love for having science and arts in my life. 
June 2019, I had a 21-year-old crisis, and I was like, I'm moving to New York to do an acting intensive, um, and I ended up really, really loving it because it totally pushed me outside of my comfort zone, and those are the times I've always grown the most as a person is just like doing things that make me uncomfortable, and I think we constantly need to push ourselves to do things like that, especially during this time where it's so easy to just stay home and be stagnant. Um, and expect for things to change. We have to make the change within our lives in order for ourselves to grow. Um, and so as of September 2019, I was like fully moved into New York. I was studying acting three times a week and then two times of the week I was going up and working in all these children's toys that ran off of green energy. So I was very much having this science and art balance. COVID hit, everything stopped for a while. And then this past summer I was on Zoom meetings all the time, pitching all the different toy ideas to big toy manufacturers. And I was also pitching all these children's and teenage um, shows that I had come up with as well. Um, everything was great. As of November 2020, I had a multi-book deal on the table and I had um, a first look TV deal on the table for coming up with children's show concepts. And then things happened and everything fell off the table, um, which I'm actually very grateful for now because I realize how much of my time that would have taken. Um, and it wasn't necessarily exactly what I wanted to be focusing on. Like I never woke up every morning and was like, I want to become the biggest children's TV producer history. Like that's not what I dreamt of since I was a kid. So I was like, why am I going to spend my time doing this? Um, so all in all, I was sad initially when those things didn't work out, but now I understand it was for the better. And since January, I've been working, I've been taking online classes from my university on Vancouver Island, and I've been working on two different film script ideas that I am super, super excited about and finally happy that I've taken the time to make time to write. Um, and so I'm doing that and then also virtual speaking gigs and da da da. And I'm taking a little break from inventing stuff currently, but that's because I'm kind of putting my creative juices into writing and coming up and making worlds, um, fictional worlds, instead of making something physical, um, like a product. No, that's, and it's so cool to hear. And it's something we've talked about on the show before, just the idea that you can have multiple identities and that being an inventor isn't an entire identity for someone. It doesn't have to be like your entire persona, you know, being a sustainable person is an entire persona. It's just a part of who you are and um, you'll get back to it. Totally, totally. And I think it's so hard for people to like wrap their minds around the fact that like, anyone or like a woman or a girl could do like two things like oh my god you can do science and art like who you know wild. <laughs> it's like wild for people which is still sad but I feel like it's being more normalized now or for like people to think like oh well she did all these inventions so she must be like someone from the big bang theory which is like such a dumb concept like honestly when I was in high school I would watch parts of the show and I loved it because it was funny but then I was like oh my God, do people think I'm like those characters? Cause like, I want to be cool. Like I'm a teenager and I like science and art. Like, so, you know, so it was always a weird conflict with shows like that, that I had, even though they were sometimes quite funny. Um, but I think, I think it's important to remember that people in design and inventing and writing and film, whatever it be, they can have multiple talents. Like it's a normal thing. We just like 
before I think the image of an inventor was like old dusty men like that we would see in like history textbooks so I think what an inventor is and who they are and what they like to do is can be reinvented hopefully in 2020 this decade amazing yeah you're reclaiming your identity that's awesome like when I followed you I don't think I knew that you were studying acting or anything or that you were into film and you really quickly became one of my favorite people to follow because you were always posting videos of <laughs> movies. And oh I was God. like, this is so, cool. I, I took a film class in college and I was just like, oh, okay. I haven't seen like old film in so long. And it was, re it's really cool because I don't think people always post so often now when we post things, I feel like people post, like you see 10 people posting the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for me, Ugh, I have such, like, a complicated relationship with social media and, like, what's, like, a healthy relationship to have with stuff like Instagram, but I think for me, it's either, like, for sponsored stuff or mainly for just, like, work or, like, movie-wise, it was always, like, I love this movie, I love this actor, wish I could marry them, but they're dead, but I'll, here, let me share a photo so people remember their existence, <laughs> so it's kind of just, like, whatever I'm excited about, basically. But, yeah, no. Yeah, that, so cool. I I'm glad you found me that way. It's so funny because, like, people will come who find me on the internet you know, thinking like it's like a science girl person account. Um, and maybe I could be more successful if I did market myself that way, but that's not who I am truly, like just that. So I just post whatever's exciting and now I have like Elvis fan accounts and like old <laughs> so, like, you post. so that's what's kind of fun about it, I guess. All right, that's all for this episode of Environmentalist. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to Anne for being an incredible guest. And I hope you guys learned something new about green tech from her story. I know for me, it made me think a lot about how sustainability is all about storytelling, how the story that we tell when we talk about our own activism matters. So taking that moment to consider how sustainability fits in with your other interests and remembering to nurture those other interests. It's a nice little moment to reflect. So thank you to Anne for reminding me to do that. If you guys would like to keep up with Anne, you can follow her on Instagram at Anne Makazinski. If you'd like to keep up with Environmentalist, we're at Environmentalist on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, or our website, environmentalist.co. Keep doing what you can. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. Bye.